0: talking about here the the uh, concept and then we're going to learn how to do this in real time but this is the process and I told you that it's about godly communication here godly communication but it's a it's it's about a partnership and a relationship with people and hopefully by based on what I said to you yesterday uh it's more than I put that cartoon up there. I wanted you to see it's more than that says we need the CEO is sitting there saying we need nicknames so we can build unity here and have a partnership and a relationship. It's more than nicknames. We have to learn how to work together, how to, how to build relationships together. We have a chain of command. God's here. The leader is still in charge but we're in relationship to build God's ministry. And it's important that we understand that. And it requires EQ, emotional maturity, on the part of the leader. But it requires some things on the part of the team. The the leader provides a safe harbor for the team to offer what? Their facts, qualitative facts and quantitative facts, what they see and think and feel. And I, wanna, I just wanna share some things about that with you this morning, and then we're gonna move on. But I, I wanna finish this, the concept. So the leader provides a safe harbor, but the team has to take a risk. If there hasn't been a safe harbor up to now, you're going to have to take a risk. And you're also, no matter whether it's no risk or a little risk or a big risk, you're going to have to communicate what God puts on your heart. He's counting on you to communicate what he tells you in your spirit, not what you come up with in the natural. This is not natural communication here. This is godly communication. It doesn't work. Then we're no different than them out there. This is godly communication. God-directed, that's why these two checks are so important, those big assumptions, but this is godly communication here. But if it's going to be godly communication and, it's, and God's put something on your heart, leaders, then you have to offer it. And pastors, you have to give them license to share it. But there's one caveat here, and there's one rule. We... You have to plant the seed that God puts in your heart and your spirit. You have to plant that seed. You have, to drop, you have to offer it. You have to drop it in there. But with respect and dignity. And one of the ways you show respect and dignity is you just plant it one time. You don't hit the pastor six ways to Sunday till he sees it your way. You don't keep pull, plucking it. Anything growing in there yet, Pastor? You see it my way, huh, we are gonna do it my way? Don't you think I'm right? No, you plant the seed one time and your job is over. And then God will grow it in his season, in his season. So you have to plant the seed, offer the seed. It's not about nicknames. It's about building partnership and relationship. It's not about command and control. It's not, this is not the command and control model. This is a model where we're in partnership and relationship with one another. We're not, we're not m- manipulating people. We don't have our own agenda, and then we just placate them by letting them say a few things, and then we railroad it through to what we wanna do. It doesn't work that way. It won't work. It may work that way for one meeting, and that's it. You're not fooling anybody. So this, you have to learn the skills and the art forms, and we're gonna talk about that, to do this effectively where people feel genuinely that they're contributing, they have value, and that they're part of the process. Only then will you have motivation, ownership, advocacy, value, and all the things that we identified yesterday. Now one of the keys we're gonna learn about next is that when you work this process, your, your, your job as a leader is to create constructive conflict. Constructive conflict. Constructive conflict. What's that? That's where people don't agree. And that's good. That's healthy. That's not the wrong side of the ledger in Galatians 5. It's not it's not contention. It's constructive conflict. But it's constructive. In the me I mentioned this once yesterday, but it's constructive. And why is it constructive? Because you've got to get all the perspectives, the facts. What they see and think and feel, it's got to get all out on the table so that you can, as Jethro told Moses, you take the macro issues to God, but you got to go to God with all the facts. That's what we read. So you, it ha, you have to create an environment where people will say what, they say what they need to say. And sometimes they will, with respect and dignity, treating you with respect and dignity as the leader, they will tell you things that they don't agree with, that you said, one time because they see it differently for example pastor parsley would sit on this end of the table and i would be down here on this end of the table and i would be facilitating the discussion and he'd be directing and commissioning and coaching and we would he would say something i believe this is what we need to do and if i agreed I don't have to repeat it. I just say amen or something. That's a good lesson right there. We don't need people going around the table saying the same thing six times, five times. Just amen if you agree. That makes the meeting a lot shorter right there. People just like to talk and, you know, edify themselves. Okay, but, in this, but if I don't agree with him, it's incumbent upon me to tell him, right? But I don't, just, I don't do it like this. Oh, I don't agree, and then stare at him. Oh, i got to tell him why. Otherwise, he's not going to learn anything. So the why here is critical. The why. The why is where we learn. All of us learn. Why you can't approve it. Why is be, that what, that's what they need to learn. And when they learn this, they start thinking more like a generalist, like you. When they learn how we have to make decisions here for the, whole, for the benefit of the whole ministry. And then when... They're sharing these things, that's what you're learning. And when they're saying they don't agree, they see it differently, then we need to know the why. That's where the learning comes from. So I'd say, Pastor, I'm concerned about that because I believe if we did that, it would have a debilitating effect or a negative effect on this. And then he has an option of saying, thank you, Dean, I appreciate that. I've thought that through, and it's not a perfect solution. It's not a perfect solution. The yeah, other are some vulnerabilities, and we need to address those. We need to have a plan like the thing I did yesterday. we got a contingency plan. This is what we would do if it went wrong. If it didn't work, let's anticipate what could go wrong and be ready for it if it happens. That's a good idea. But he said, I've thought of it. It's not a perfect plan. But in light of that and, and other things, this is what we must do. Yes, sir, now we're in unity. We just had constructive conflict, but now we're in unity yes sir or pastor I'm concerned about that for this reason why and then he would say wow I never I didn't see it like that yeah you're closer to I didn't see it yeah well no we can't do that that would that would not be good that's this is healthy but if we don't have this kind of stuff going here it doesn't work okay now let me do one other thing here relative to questions. I, I was gonna move to Teams, but let, let me camp out here just a little bit longer because I said yesterday and I'm repeating today, questions are one of your greatest tools. And I, I, I'm gonna illustrate that and I'm hearing some amens. Questions, the art of asking questions is one of your greatest tools. So let, let me illustrate a few things. First of all, the art of asking questions. We're going to learn how to go to the mountain and hear from God. But we ask God questions. How am I doing, sir? How am I doing? Help me judge myself rightly. Convict me of the things that are not of you. Where I'm, where I'm not doing what you told me to do. Where I'm erring, where I'm not coaching, where I'm not decide, where I'm not strong enough, where I'm timid. Coach me, Lord. Coach me now where we're headed. What are we Okay, so we ask God questions so that we can listen to his answers. So it just pulls more out of God when you go to the mountain. You just ask him a lot of questions. And he'll give you the answers. When we're delegating, when we're delegating to others. Yesterday, I modeled that. We asked questions. Do you understand? Are you clear? Can you confirm for me you understand? Can you make a commitment? Do you understand the consequences? Questions. When we're working the Proverbs process, We ask questions to elicit value from them. When we are identifying gaps, we have to ask questions to find out where the gaps are. What are the gaps? We have to ask people direct questions so that we can ascertain where the gaps are with honest people. If you get honest people, you'll get an honest answer and you'll identify an honest gap. Otherwise, they'll be hiding them. And I'm, we're gonna talk about depth charge questions in a second here. Uh, you're, you're asking yourself questions when you're judging yourself rightly. Here, when you're judging yourself rightly. Being the CEO of you, you're asking yourself questions. You just had a meeting. At the end of the meeting, you. The first question would be, how did that go? You're sitting there thinking by yourself. How did that go? Well, I didn't feel comfortable at this. I should have done a better job there. I left that out. I meant to. Okay, great. You took a risk. So what? You made mistakes. Now, judge yourself. Ask questions. Judge yourself rightly and go back. What did you learn? And what change are you committed to make? Otherwise, it's just an exercise in futility here. But what change are you going to make? And so, okay, next time I'm going to work on this, and I'm going to get stronger with that. And I'm just, it's a process of continual refinement. And admit to them, last time, hey, I'm learning, guys. Last time, I could have done a better job here. What are you teaching? You're teaching them. You're modeling. We're going to learn when we do confrontation conflict resolution, how we ask questions how we defer to others rather than make judgments and accusations right out the gate which we don't even know about we're going to do something here and in fact let's do it let's do it right now I want to show you a picture of of a guy I'm going to ask you a couple questions look here's the question he's he's just told you something and he's looking at you like that how many in the room think he's telling you the truth and how many in the room think he's smoking you? Okay. Look, hands for the telling you the truth. Okay. And the rest of you, he's smoking you? Okay. I, did I sit? I mean, are you doing that because I, I set you up here? Or what, what? You know, usually, you know, you, you wouldn't. Well, the point is you don't know. You don't know. Look at him. I mean, I, I could say he's the most sincere guy there. I could see that in him. But then again, I could look and say that guy's a marginal deceiver, big time. Okay, you don't. You don't know. Until what? Until you ask questions. Now, what don't we know? Well, we, first of all, we don't know if he's telling us the truth. But we've established that criteria, and. When we find out he isn't, he isn't on the team anymore. So that, we've taken care of that part of it. But the other reasons we ask questions, he made a statement, but you may not completely understand what was behind it. And what, So what don't we know without asking questions and without pursuing it with more questions? We don't know what his heart is, where his motivation is, how much he really cares, Because they say things, and they want to placate you, and they want to please you, and they want to look the role, and they want to look spiritual, but you don't really know. And if you're their coach, then Isaiah told us, we have to listen so as to disciple. Well, you can't listen unless you ask for something to listen to. So that's why questions are so important. And and you're going to learn this key element to leadership. It's key, and pastors tell me over and over again, that's one of the greatest tools. (laughs) Some of them would call me, say, hey, we got this situation with this guy or this team, the team. And, like, what questions do I ask? And what do you suppose my response was? (laughs) Yeah, what do you think? (laughs) Right. Never do anything for cardinal rule never do anything for anybody else that God has given them the ability to do for themselves certainly like think now they may not be thinking accurately they may not be thinking correctly correctly they may not be thinking with the right motivation the right heart the right care that's what you have to ascertain but the art of asking questions is how you become a better coach a better coach the art of asking questions. Now, there are various types of questions. I don't know what uh, page they're on in your book. You can go there very quickly, and there's a whole list of questions there. Become artful at asking those types of questions, and we tried to categorize them by, uh, you know, types of questions. So the, the first ones, I don't have my book here, it's fine, but the, the uh, first ones are the questions, some, a few of the questions that Jesus asked. And then the next set of questions are, what does it say? In, when providing counsel or wanting to be able to provide counsel, asking questions like I, I just talked about. And then on the bottom there, we have evaluation, right? On the bottom left, evaluate. I call those the postmortem, the post mortem questions. Now you tweak them, and you modify them to fit the particular situation. But they're the same basic, basic question, the same basic intent questions. What was supposed? So you gave a directive, and something went awry. We're in the postmortem here, for example, and something went awry. Something's not right. They admitted something went wrong. So the question is, what was supposed to happen? So have them speak back to you. Speak it into being what the direction was. Oh, pastor, you asked for this. And you're going to find out. Did they get it? Did they remember? Do they care? You're going to find out whether they even care. The first, you, you, could get, you could get somebody that says, pastor, you asked for this, and they ticking it off right, just like this. Or they have something bigger than a laundry ticket that they're reading it off of. Okay? And they, they're telling you, boom, 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 exactly what you said. Or? Another response from the same question. Same simple question. What was supposed to happen would be, you know, I'm getting a little fed up with this. You know, ever since you went with the guy with the mustache, you know, this place is running like some Gestapo place, you know, and, I, and this isn't even Christian. I'm sick of it. You know, this is abuse. You could get that kind of response. Look at the dichotomy there. Just from the same question. Second one is what? What accounts for the difference? What actually happened? What act, number two is that what actually happened. So this is what happened. And this is what caused this to happen. Okay? And then so what's the third one? What accounts for the difference? You, you just tweak the questions, but they fall onto these three general. So what accounts for the difference? So what actually happened? Well, we've messed up. We failed. We didn't achieve it. We didn't get it done. We didn't, Okay. So what accounts for the difference? And here comes all the excuses, and you're going to minimize that over time because you got a commitment from them, and you, said, and you even unsold them on their commitment, and I'll teach you that later. But you, and then finally is the whole key to the whole thing. So what did you learn, and what are you going to change? You haven't said one thing. There are no lectures. No reprimands, no judgment, no argumentative stuff going on, just questions. And they're either going to fess up and they're going to be honest or they're going to hang themselves. It gets much simpler, guys. I had a, God taught me this when I went through Grand Central Station every day. So, and then there's other questions there too. Study them out, get good at them. Just like... Uh, uh, the guy, uh, Kurt Warner, in the in the uh, in the, in the uh, Super Bowl, and I think even the other guy, Ben. You know, the, they were one team went down, thought they won, and the other team went down and did win. But there, it was uptight, right? Uptight time. The plays came in from the bench. The quarterback isn't saying, "I wonder what that is." That the play where we're supposed? No, he's doing this. He's got them right here. The plays. He's not saying, oh, well, I'll be embarrassed. People will see me on TV checking the plays on my wrist. No, he's trying to win the game. So are you. So bring the qu- If you have to tape, uh, tape them to your wrist and take them to the meeting, take them with you. And tell them, hey, I got my cheat sheet right here, questions that I'm learning to ask. Okay, it's okay. It's okay. You're learning. Now, depth charge questions. Depth charge questions. One more thing. Remember questions what? Where do they go? No, down. Questions go down and answers come up. Yeah. You ask the questions, they provide the answers. That's the way the meeting works. Nobody comes to the meeting with with questions. They can come up with with solutions and they're going to present you a plan and then the question is, will you approve it or not? That, that that, but that's not a direct question. That's coming with a, a solution, a, 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 uh, a recommendation, a plan. Okay, but now let's talk about something that you're going, and once you get through the basic training questions, then you're going to want to become artful at depth charge questions. What are they? Well, in the, it's a Navy term, and uh, most of my stories are Navy stories, and most of them aren't even true. Like most <laughs> Navy stories, <laughs> but this one is. But the 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 convoy would be out in the ocean in a war situation, World War II, for example, and the convoy is out there. the The uh, carrier is in the middle, then has to be the most protected, so the carrier is in the center, and then they're all deployed out here over miles, but they're. They're in, a, they're in a convoy. The carrier's here. Then the heavy cruisers are right around, because they're the second most valuable we got. They're around the, around, and they have the missiles, and not, not in those days, but they had the heavy guns. And then around them are the lighter cruisers. And then on the perimeter are the destroyers. And the destroyers are the anti-submarine warfare ships. And so they, they protect the whole fleet or the whole convoy from the enemy submarines, because the enemy submarines, have to in those days fired horizontally in the water now they can fire vertically too but they would fire horizontally in the water and they so they would stay submerged and they would fire torpedoes and try to sneak them through the ships to hit the big target the carrier with 5000 men on board so and the whole aircraft that would protect the rest of the the rest of the fleet so they these anti-submarine destroyers on the flanks here would have what they call depth charges, and they were on the stern, and they would roll them off the stern of the destroyer and drop them to a prescribed depth based on the surveillance or the, or the intelligence that they had from the sonar equipment that would tell them that there's a, but, and the frequency, the beat of the motor from the submarine would tell them whether it was friend or foe. And if it was foe, they would drop one of these depth charges down there. Why? To knock them out of the water. So there's a picture up there of of, uh, a diver. I don't know if you can sense it. But what, what I'm trying to illustrate here is you don't have to dive down into the belly of your ministry, into the bowels of your ministry to figure out what's going on. Okay, you've got an honest team and with depth-charge questions, you're going to find out what goes on by asking depth-charge questions and, and I'll, I'll, let me finish explaining that. But they go down to that prescribed level and then they explode. And what do they do? Well, they knock out their generator. So they can't, c- take in, they can't generate oxygen, so they have to surface. Or, or it knocks out their fillings <laughs> and they get the picture. You know and they surface and they come up with the white flag and they surrender and so what we're doing is punging these things that are about to destroy your ministry we're attacking with questions the things that are vulnerabilities that are potential gaps in your ministry this is one of the big ways in which you identify gaps by asking depth-charge questions. So what does that mean now in real time, and real ministry work? You're asking questions that are tough questions. They get right to the jugular of things. And you're asking them questions like the ones I'll cite to you here. But they're going to surface the things nobody wants to talk about. Nobody, or nobody, th- it doesn't mean that they're deceptive, but nobody's even thinking about them. We just get busy and we get off you know, onto this and onto that and we forget the main stuff. And you're the guy who has to keep them on the main stuff, so, right? The macro, the things God said to do. So you have to ask depth charge questions and I don't wanna belabor this, but I wanna give you an example of how you poon here, that illustration up there, how you blow these things out of the water. And I'm gonna go quickly here and jump all over. I've got nine pages of them here, but uh, I've given to partners over, over time. What are the three major congregation needs relative to your department? Right, today. Today. You're asking some member of your team or the whole team? Right out of the blue. Pop quiz. What are the three major congregation needs relative to your department? And, and the next question, next job charge question is, and how are they going to be addressed? Well, we've already anticipated two of them, sir, honest. But we, we haven't thought about the third one yet, but we're going to get on it. And next time I'm back, I'll report on how we're going to get that done. What are the two best practices? Best practices, a term from the world. Best practices. What are the two best practices that you've utilized in the past month or in the past two months? What are the top three vulnerabilities in your department? And what will you do about them? I ask these questions to the partners when we come for the advanced training so I can coach them, so I can know where they're at and I can answer their questions. So they've heard me, I I say, so what's the greatest vulnerability your ministry is facing today? And when I see them going like this, greatest vulnerability, I wonder, let's see, uh, what would that be? Martha, what do you think? I say, guys, if you don't know what the greatest vulnerability is, you're not on the case. You're not thinking right. You're just running to and fro from crisis to crisis. You need to know what that, those are gaps. You don't know what those are and what you're doing about it, that's your job. What project can you propose that would dramatically change this situation? What are the top three achievements? What, What are the top three leadership practices that you put in place in the last six months? And how are they working? Depth charge questions you're gonna you're you're, that's how you evaluate this part of the about the behavior the behavior Let me go to the master sheet here and what has been your best mistake? this quarter What's been your best best practice? But best mistake, what's been your best mistake? You're gonna see when we work together as a team, everybody learns from each other's mistakes. We don't learn sequentially, one at a time. When a team, when we work in a team, we learn our best practices, so we share good stuff, and we learn about our mistakes, so we can all learn together at the same time. What was your last great innovative idea in working with your team? What is your greatest personal challenge? What intelligence or key indicators or facts are you, are you working on mainly today? What are you addressing? What facts are you addressing today? What are the top three changes you're making or the top three changes you're directing with your team? What performance targets are you failing in with your team? Where are you underachieving? Who's not in your corner on your team? What, what challenges are you facing with individuals on your team and what are you doing about it? What do you savor most with your team? Best practices, what needs refining in your, depo- in your department? What seems to be, um, wh- where are you losing momentum? What strategic changes uh, have you made to, to keep, to keep uh, 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 um, a current or uh, on track with the goals that we established? What untapped opportunities are you not taking advantage of yet that you've identified and what are you gonna do about them? What's the best coaching, best teaching, best training, best mentoring you've done with your team? And share that with each other, share that. What successes have you had with that? Where where have you used emotional intelligence? How has that manifested now that you've begun to work with your teams? Where have you exhibited emotional intelligence? What's an example of character that you've witnessed on your team? So you're evaluating their team because you have honest people. You don't have to be with their team to do it. You're asking honest people how they're doing with their team. And I I don't want to belabor this. What's your most dysfunctional behavior? Where do you need coaching? Where can I help you? How can our team help you? How can our team help you? And, and, And that's an important one right there. Don't be their helper. Let the team help them. When they say they have a need, they, ha- they need some help. When they have a difficulty, turn to the team. Say, anybody faced this difficulty before? Oh, yeah, Martha, tell, what did you do about it? Don't, don't tell them anything. The team does the team teaching, and the team builds unity. They'll fight for each other. They'll work with their weapons on. One, one pastor told me, he was, he was so excited to tell me, he said, Brother Dean, I got to tell you this. He said, we had a problem on our team with one of the individuals on the team. And I didn't know about it. I didn't know it was a problem, but the team knew about it. See, the team knows a lot more than you do. They're, they're down there working with them every day. They see it all day. They can put on a good face in front of you. And, and uh, he said, and Brother Dean, the team saw there was a problem. And the team went to the person with the problem and said we don't appreciate this he said I don't even know what this is to this day I don't know what this is what the problem was and the point is he didn't need to know because the team was taking care of it the team went to the individual and said we don't appreciate this the individual said I don't report to you I report to the pastor and the, the team said no you report we're a team pastor's on the team but we're on it too and you report to us and well what they found out that was just the tip of the iceberg this situation there was a whole bunch of stuff down here and the man placated them initially but then the man had he removed himself and and god removed him because there was so much stuff in there but the pastor was he pastor said to me he said it he said if if i had met with him one-on-one he'd have smoked me he would have smoked me he could have conned me he could have duped me. It never would have happened. Never would have come out that way. Or it would have come out long down the road. But the team took care of it. What are three ways you're improving your leadership ability or intending to improve it this year, whatever? You, you frame these questions. Just you know, I'll give you a couple more here. What is the single most important way that you, individual, can improve your execution? How can you go beyond the results that we need to achieve results that others think are impossible? Remember we talked about innovation yesterday and, oh, it can't be done, and think outside the box. What barriers are you overcoming to achieve your full potential? Okay, do you understand? Jet charge questions. That's what they are. Develop your ability. You won't be good at it initially. I was terrible at it. I was terrible at it, but I started to learn when God started to show me. And you just keep practicing it. And you and you're, you're, see, it's all about your skill. It's the art form of asking the right question at the right time to the right person about the right thing. And you become really skillful at it. And it is totally freeing. It's totally effective. It's one of the greatest skills that you can acquire. You see the L here? You're the facilitator of this meeting. What does that mean, facilitate? It comes from the stem word to make facile, to make easy. Easy for people to contribute. Easy for people to say what they see and think and feel. Easy for people to offer ideas. Easy for people to create and innovate and solve.